Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily here on the Elite Plus Network. My name is Justin Fensterman, also known as Fensty to some of the FantasyGuru.com subscribers at Discord, filling in for Kyle Elfrink, but still with us. We all love him, our oracle, Ray Flowers. What's going on, Ray? You're stuck with me for the next hour. Well, it'll be fun, Justin. We've obviously done shows together for a long time and uh, used to produce my shows when we're on Sirius, and then we've done shows together, and so... I don't think we're going to have too much trouble with the next, you know, 50 minutes or so here on the old uh, show today. Uh, we miss Kyle, of course, but we're happy to have you with us. Thank you very much. Check is in the mail for saying that, Ray. But we're going to give everybody a healthy dose of sports. Three-sport varsity show. That's what we're giving you. We're going to start off a little bit of football, talking about Super Bowl 58. Then we're going to also talk about some baseball as Ray continues to churn out so many pieces of content, Ray, pages and pages of fantasy baseball content ready for all of you with the season coming up. And then, as always on Fantasy Sports Daily, a little bit of basketball. Normally, the guys bring me in to talk some basketball. So we're going to talk a lot of NBA, why the NBA trade deadline is actually this week. So in 48 hours, some of these teams are going to shift and we're going to talk how the fallout could impact everyone. Fantasy to betting where it's going to be very educational. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to talk some props as well. But Ray, I got to ask you, man, this is one of our first times talking about your 49ers being in the Super Bowl, a nice little rematch. I am excited as hell for this game. I am pumped up. I think it's going to live up to the expectations. I'm very happy that these two teams ended up on another platform. I had said that these two teams would end up in the Super Bowl. I will say this, by the time the playoffs began, I brought it back a little bit, thinking that the Ravens weren't going to make it. So wrong there was right earlier in the season. That's why you got to stick with what you put, the line in the sand. Ray, how are you feeling, though, overall about the 49ers? Because mm -hmm. the regular season, and we're going to go over some specifics with the tight end position, but the regular season 49ers, a little bit different from the playoff 49ers that we've seen. How are you feeling as a 49ers fan going in to face the mighty Mahomes? We have a, a user question right before I get to that, though, Justin. Since you're, you know, you know, Sal wants to know you're wearing sleeves. It, that's your host attire. That that is my host attire because you know I'm trying to keep it classy. But more importantly, it was about a month ago at this time I took the sleeves and I put them back on the shirts because I'm trying to get in shape and I'm trying to notice the difference. I was blinding Ray and Kyle with my pale skin, no muscles. So when it's summertime in May, June, in that area. You will see the arms again, more built. I guarantee you that. My guarantee of the week, to quote Jimmy Jack, Jeff Mans. So, yeah, Jeff Mans. You can't just hit the, It's a lock. It's a guarantee. <laughs> That's um, right. Yeah, no, back to your question, Justin. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about the Super Bowl. I, I mentioned this on the show yesterday. I'm kind of over the analysis part, to be honest, because I've, I've moved on to baseball. I've kind of it's made that message. two freaking weeks, Ray. That's why. We're used to changing this stuff yeah. every day. Yeah, so I've got a little bit of that, you know. But um, the Niners are, are a very interesting team, and you have all this time to analyze everything, right? And everyone does it, and all the stories are written, and the topics are discussed. And, you know, the Niners, what they did in the last game was shocking. I, I myself thought they were going to lose the Lions because they got down, and it's like, this team looks terrible. They're not, there's nothing going on. 
And then they did the reverse of what they've always done. They've always jumped out in the lead, controlled the game flow, let their defense, you know, chase, chase down the quarterback in the second half. And they had to switch the whole thing up and it worked. So, you know, this is a, a situation where Mahomes and Andy Reid, I mean, they're the, the best duo going right now. They're the new Brady Belichick, right? So the Niners will have a tough, tough battle here. And it's very hard to, to bet against the, the Chiefs. I didn't expect that they would get here either. I thought it'd be the Ravens like you did. Uh, but now that they're here, Justin, it's tough to bet against the Chiefs. It is. And that's why it's a little bit surprising to me that they're underdogs. And I was actually on Sirius XM when the line opened after the conference championships and the line first opened and you start to go. It first went up and then it went down. Now it's sticking there at two. It, it does kind of surprise me, especially because Patrick Mahomes, and I, I know, Ray, you're going to roll your eyes because you probably heard this, if not read it a thousand times, but we all know how good Mahomes has been regular season or the playoffs as an underdog. But even putting that aside, big game experience, the grandest stage of them all. He's been there again and again and again. And while that doesn't really fall in the analytics department as sports fans, to have that kind of big game experience where he's lost and he's won, that right there alone to me gives the Chiefs a leg up against the 49ers and along with some of the defensive issues that we've seen from San Francisco, especially over the last few weeks. I think that area that you're talking about, obviously, as you noted, is in the realm of the unknown because you can't quantify experience, sure. right? I think it makes sense, but I also think back to, you know, when I was an athlete, you were an athlete too when you were younger. When we were athletes, you know, you'd be nervous before the game. Of course, you'd be nervous. And playing, you know, week three would be totally different than in the playoffs. Yeah, But once the game gets going, like, I don't know. I, I wasn't, you know, you know what I mean? It's like once you're playing after you get rid of all the, the weeks and the interviews, once the, the snap and the whistle and the, the hit first hit, I don't know how much it matters. Maybe it does because, you know, there certainly are players that seem like they could elevate themselves and their team in those pressure situations. Joe Montana famously, oh, is that John Candy in the seats? Like they, then they go 90 yards for a touchdown to win the Super Bowl. Some guys just have that. And I, I'm, I think that clearly Mahomes has that. We're gonna get a chance to see if Purdy has it. And that's when you're when you're against the best, which let's face it, Mahomes is the best. We can talk about his fantasy value and who's Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes is the best. And I think people are remembering that after doubting him pretty much for half the season in the fantasy space. I feel like half the season this year and then half the season last year as well, Ray. I mean, you were answering fantasy sports radio on Sirius XM Twitter questions, and we would always talk, and that's a big goof. Ray and I are always talking on the side when it comes to Ray's Twitter takeover every Sunday. I like Ray's reaction as well, and quite frankly, I like to hear who people are asking about over and over and over again. And Ray, it was every week, multiple Patrick Mahomes questions. And Ray, I think one of the weeks I kind of sided with the people and then you stopped talking to me the rest of the day. <laughs> so that was the last time I did that. But yeah, Ray, we all know how good Patrick Mahomes is. And this is where the reality sets into play here. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It is the unknown. And yeah, Brock Purdy could, after one drive, however it ends with the score, with the turnover, he could kind of shake that rust or shake that fear and then be able to focus a little bit more. I'm just very excited to see and just, man, a lot of just amazing talent in this Super Bowl as well. I mean, look, we're going to talk tight ends right now. I mean, Travis Kelsey, He's Travis freaking Kelsey, George Kittle. These are two top five names from even earlier in the year. And when you're looking at these guys, I mean, how productive should they be? And you look to see the defensive impact. And both of te these teams did not let a lot of production 
up to tight ends here. But I'll say this, because I thought, if anything, it would be the Chiefs a little bit more. The 49ers actually allowing a little bit more on the receptions and receiving yards front than Kansas City. Kansas City, Ray, just allowed, I think it was one more touchdown during the regular season than the 49ers to tight ends. So both of these teams, very good defensively against opposing tight ends. Yeah, and you always face the battle when you look at these numbers because it matters when you're facing a team and maybe guys beat up at the tight end position. Maybe you're beat up in the, in the linebacker core when you're, you know, so it's, it's always a little difficult with the matchup numbers. It's also difficult because, you know, there are tight ends that catch passes. There's Dalton Kincaid. He's going to catch passes, right? Then there are guys like Kelsey and Kittle, which are primary drivers of their offense. And in the case of Kelsey, as primary as you can get, right? There's no tight end in football that I think is more important to his offense than Travis Kelsey. So you can look at the numbers there and say, okay, how applicable are they given the importance of these guys in the offense? How applicable are they to Hall of Fame level talents? Because that's that's difference than a guy who's really good, right? No offense to Dalton Kincaid, but he's not to those level of guys yet. So it, I I think also I think also that it's really interesting because I, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, I believe the perception is the Niners defense is really good and the Chiefs are okay. And it's like, well, you know, that's not really, you know, the Chiefs defense is damn good. And there have been many games this season for the Chiefs where their offense hasn't been effective and their defense has kept them in games. And, you know, you start talking about the Niners and, and I mean, it's always that push-pull battle, Justin, because both teams have looked at all the film. Both teams know exactly what the other team is going to try to do. It's very unlikely there's a player or two these teams will probably pull out that they haven't run this year, but it's very unlikely they're going to drastically alter any part of their offense, right? Even with the two weeks of notice. And you can't get around getting the ball to Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs. Like you've got to do, you have to do that to win. The Niners can win without Kittle. Kittle can have, you know, two or three catches and have one of them be, some, you know, 50 yards down the seam for a touchdown, right? Make him a big play kind of guy. But both these guys are going to be involved. And, you know, they're, they're going to be focuses both for their offense and for their defense. No, absolutely. And here's the thing. When it comes to placing bets, when it, and, you know, we're looking at the screen right now, both of them having six and a half or rather six and a half receptions for Kelsey. That's the line right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Kittle at three and a half. By the way, both very much juiced up. And that's why when it comes to the Super Bowl, you got to make your bets early because they just keep creeping up and up and up. And now, look, I love the over six and a half when it comes to that for Kelsey, but it's so juiced up. So now I'm trying to think, do I go to the book and try to alt it up a little bit? But the books at this point, they've smartened up and know that a lot of people are going to look and say, hey, can this guy catch eight passes here? And they're not going to give us the opportunity. They're going to alt it up a few receptions there to try to make us work for it. So that's why, Ray, being that it is the Super Bowl, normally I stay away from minus 140, minus 150. Mm -hmm. I mean, you all see in the betting sheets on fantasyguru.com's Discord for NBA bets that really I don't go beyond minus 130, minus 135 max. But in this game, in this case, man, I don't want this number going up anymore. So if I have to place a bigger investment on Kelsey over six and a half, because like you said, Ray, not a normal tight end, focal point of this team's offense and just one of the best players to ever play at his position. He's going to find ways to get open and Patrick Mahomes is going to find ways and force targets to him, at least in my opinion, maybe he won't be catching 11 of 11, but he's going to be, if he's not getting nine plus, then something's wrong with the Kansas city chiefs race. So, I mean, with that, I'm loving that Kelsey line so far. How do you feel 
about the Kelsey six and a half receptions. What if Kadarius Tony plays, Justin? Doesn't that change your? Oh body? my God, that, that <laughs> all wonders on Travis Kelsey, though. Yeah, but, but you know, I think that this is an interesting. It's an interesting one. Uh, I think the numbers fair. I think that you know five or six catches. I think is as long as Kelsey's healthy, that's there, right? And then it's up, right? Um, you know, if he catches two or three passes, he's hurt or they've lost the game, right? That's just so. I don't, that's a high number that I don't love. I'm not, oh, I got to get seven or eight catches. Eh, I don't mind it because of, again, who he is in this offense and everything. I, I want to ask, so I would I take it? Yeah, the odds aren't good enough. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably just go in a different direction. And I think that's something I want to ask you about, Justin, is that our tendency, based upon my experience with folks, is to, you know, look at it, look at some number with the props here, find some player that they love and go the over. Like find the lowest number that they're comfortable with and go the over, whether it's receptions here or yardage there. What about going the under? Because there's a lot of things. I mean, as much as I say, you know, Travis Kelsey, if he gets hurt, Travis Kelsey could break his ankle on the first play of the game. Patrick Mahomes could, you know, think back what happened last year to the Niners against the Eagles. Brock Purdy broke his arm. That was game was over. The Niners had no offense. What are your thoughts about taking the under? Is that more, is that, because again, Jeff Mance talks about this too. A lot of times we get so focused on the over Maybe the under is a better way to bet. No, and and yes, and I'm with you there when it comes to betting the under. And, I, and I'm guilty of it, Ray. I'm guilty of it. I don't bet nearly as many unders. It's a very long differentiation with overs. I'm mainly an over better. But you're right about that. With Travis Kelsey, though, that's if the Kittle number was a little bit higher, would bet the under. With Travis Kelsey, though, man, it's a different playing field for him. You know, maybe I could be sold on it if you pick another player on the team, maybe Rushy Rice. But Travis Kelsey, there are certain players I feel will get the ball forced to them. And when you talk about teams that are good at defending the tight ends, I mean, most of the teams that are playing against Travis Kelsey are not going to be able to hold them down. Now, here's a common mistake that I think people will make, Ray, in their analysis. They're going to look back to the NFC Championship. They're going to be like, well, Sam Laporta. Nine for 97. But something I want to bring back up that you just said, and that's Travis Kelsey is the focal point of this team's offense. While Sam Laporta is a big part of the offense, they've got other players that they're throwing to. They've got Amon Ross St. Brown there in Detroit that they're throwing to, which also big part, and maybe he's the focal point of that offense. The Chiefs, I don't think, have that luxury. They're zeroing in on Travis Kelsey. The big question is, are the 49ers going to be able to adjust in time to what do you put five guys on him and make Rasheed Rice open the entire time? That's just not going to happen because I've seen this, Ray, and when I'm watching these football games, you think, well, this guy's burning them for reception after reception after reception. And it's not like a basketball court where it's a lot smaller of a space. It's a wider space of football field. And teams are focusing on not leaving parts of that field open. So they're not going to sacrifice. And if they got a player that's burning them, for catch after catch, it's going to be very hard to adjust on the fly there. Yeah, and it is tough, too, for the Niners. And I, I've mentioned this multiple times this week. You know, when they lost Hufunga in the defensive backfield, things didn't unravel, but things got much more difficult for them back there. Uh, the Niners are, are strong up front. Uh, you know, Trey Green, Dre Greenlaw, excuse me, and Fred Warner are excellent linebackers in the middle, but their defensive backfield is, is wishy-washy. So even if the Niners were to focus more heavily on Kelsey, which I assume they will, of course, do, they can still be beat deep. And it, it you know, I, I jokingly said, you know, Kadarius Tony, but, you know, maybe it's MVS 
right? With the big play, we, we saw that last time they were out there. The Niners are the Niners are in that zone where they do a lot of things well, but they struggle in other areas. And you have to think that Mahomes and Andy Reid will be able to find those areas. And that's one of the things Kelsey's always been great at, right? Is finding that spot, finding that zone. And Kelsey's not the guy that's ripping off 40-yard touchdowns like he used to. But if he's constantly moving the chain, seven yards, eight yards, ten yards, you know, you know how that goes. And they start running the clock, you start controlling the so. It'll be a tough challenge. And, and you noted this in, in, in the show notes that, you know, the Niners gave up nine catches to Laporta and then Musgrave and Kraft caught six passes too. Right. So, you know, 15 receptions of the tight end in two games is a lot. It's a lot. So that is an area that, you know, that, that obviously will be one of the, the focal points of offense versus defense is what did the Niners do to slow down Travis Kelsey? Or do they have some game plan that's like, all right, we know he's going to catch his seven or eight passes. We're just going to try to blanket everybody else and just keep him from having that huge 40-yard play. Right, and, and that's that's the big thing. And by the way, I'll say this with Travis Kelsey, something else with him. The strength that this guy has, especially that lower body strength, hard guy to take down as well. He'll bounce off of you. That's another big thing with Travis Kelsey as well. When he's got the angle on you, you're not going to get be able to get your arms around him. I just you watch this guy over and over again, and we've watched sports for as long as we have. You find what makes this guy stand out besides the stats. This guy is hard to take down. It will be, I mean, no matter what team is facing him, and that's why he's one of the best at his position. You asked about the unders. Yeah. George Kittle. I can be sold on unders with George Kittle, and it's not just because of the playoffs. It's because San Francisco has so many weapons. They've got guys that can do multiple things. They've got receivers that can run. They've got running backs that can catch. And that's why, to me, it's harder for me when it comes to props, Ray, and maybe mm -hmm. you have a better line on this than I do. It's hard for me to bet on props. I don't think I'm, gonna, I'm going to, at least at this point, I don't think I'm going to bet a single player prop for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm just, at this point, not sold. I've got one in the cooker for the Chiefs, but for the 49ers, they've just got so many weapons, man. It's hard to really decide who they're going to prioritize. And when I see Kittle, which this, by the way, this prop probably going up to four and a half in the next day, I doubt it hits five and a half. But George Kittle, five receptions, that's not a lock. That's where I could see myself going under because – they just got so many skilled offensive players that it's a who's who and it's a game of musical chairs with the 49ers, which is why they're in the position that they're in. That team. Yeah. I mean, in the last eight games that Kittle has played, he's had one game of five catches. Right. Your point. And, you know, you look at two of the last four games, he's been over 80 yards. Two of the last four games, he's been under 30 yards. So if he doesn't get that 40-yard catch that I, I hypothesized with Kelsey, if he doesn't get that, it's just a blah effort. And it's not – it's not Kittle, like you said. He's doing so many things. He's blocking. He's he's an excellent. He's a he's a better all around tight end than Travis Kelsey, right? right? He just is. But his role in the offense is not as pronounced because of the, the fact that you brought up with the weapons and all that. And you know the the matchup is is one where you know you don't ever forget about Kittle, but Kittle's Kittle's that guy that you can always kind of turn to because you know you've got CMC who's going to get it. You know Ike's going to get it. You know Samuel's going. You know these guys are going to get the ball. And it just takes that one play where Kittle slips a tackle. It just takes that one play where that you know linebacker takes a step in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? And then here, here he's going 60 yards to the house. That's probably what the Niners are looking at versus volume feeding Kittle in this game. I'd be very surprised if Kittle catches eight passes in this game. Could happen, of course, right? But I don't think that would be the goal going in against this, this Chiefs defense. Um, so I think that 
you know, it's tough to, again, when you're a star level player, this is not Juwan Jennings. When you're a star level player, it's always difficult to say, he's not going to catch four passes. He's going to catch two or three passes. You don't want to bet that, but I think the odds are probably leaning in that direction, barring something unforeseen happening in the game. You know, you mentioned Jawan Jennings, but and I, I have to check what his prop is. But if his <laughs> receptions prop is one and a half, man, I don't know. Might put a little, little, very small wager on that. If it's if it's two and a half, three and a half, forget about it. But if it's like one and a half, let's just say, is it is it one and a half at at uh, DraftKings? It's one and a half plus one ten. You know what, man? Put five bucks on that. Get a two catch okay. effort. Why the hell not? 14 and a half yards uh, is the yardage prop too. And that's a minus 120. You know, you think they're really prepping for him? They've got so many other guys that they're focusing on. Mm -hmm. So let's say he's getting open, even if it's not something deep, then yeah. I mean, watch, there are going to be a bunch of people that put yardage props on him and he's going to make one big catch for like 35 yards. And then everybody's going to be pounding their chest the entire time. Jawan <laughs> Jennings is about to gain a million fans. Jawan Jennings. Uh, you did mention that you have other props or other yes. things to look at or not you want to share that because i know you're you're a little more into this that angle of things than i am just sure so ray ultimately i mean i've been toying with the over and the under in this game ultimately i think the chiefs are going to win i mentioned that before I i've been really thinking for the first week this is why i can't stand the two weeks because i start to think deeper into my thoughts i start to look into different things and if you would have asked me maybe five days ago i would have said oh bet the over bet you know just go all over but now I'm in this mindset of let's say the 49ers or the Chiefs go up by like a score and a half. It's like a 10-point game or something like that. They're going to overutilize their rushing attack to keep the other team off the field. And that's what scares me a little bit. Because I don't I mean look at the last game in the AFC championship. I mean the Chiefs overutilized Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco wasn't running well at all, but you give the guys 24 carries and he could put together about 65, 70 yards on him. And that's why, Ray, once again, because I think that the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think the Chiefs aren't going to fall behind. And I think they'll be in the lead, especially after the first half, maybe not by a lot, but at least by a score. So I'm still thinking that in the second half, you're going to see more Pacheco. So also, by the way, seeing San Francisco have multiple running backs in the playoffs averaging over six yards per carry against them and have that success, it went down. I'm going up over 65 and a half yards on the ground for Isaiah Pacheco, thinking the Chiefs are going to be ahead and he's going to be in line for a similar workload of maybe not 24, but 18 to 20 carries in this game. Now, I think neither team is going to play keep away necessarily, but both teams are going to try to control the clock. I don't think either, you know, I don't think either team really wants this to be 38 to 35, right? They want to kind of tramp it down. And certainly the Niners will do what they can on their side because Mahomes, how many times has Mahomes gone 75 yards in a minute and a half to win a football game, right? So they don't want it to be a scenario where they, they can't control the clock. They don't want it to be a scenario where it's necessarily a three-point three, three game or anything like that. But you have to do what you can to limit the opportunities. Are. If, if Mahomes is doing his thing and they can't get to him and he's sitting back in the pocket picking him apart, it's going to be a long day for the Niners. So I think that's it's very reasonable to think the game will be close, uh, like one score game for a good deal of time here. I think that's totally fair. Yeah, never know, right? You never know. But I think that is totally fair. And I think that looking at Pacheco and thinking 18 carries, you know, if I'm Andy Reid, I might have 18 written on my sheet. Like I might want to get him 18 carries and think that if I get that number or above, we got a good chance to win the football game. 
Right. So that's that's kind of where I'm at there. I'm thinking that, you know, if anything, Pacheco, who has been huge for them this year. And again, he didn't run well against Baltimore, but Baltimore is very tough. And look, San Francisco's tough as well. And you got to think they got to be doing something, thinking, how are we going to stop this guy after what you saw Aaron Jones do? And then it, the Detroit guys with Montgomery. I mean, after seeing that, they've got to make an emphasis on stopping that run because the Chiefs will start burning them there if they're just thinking Kelsey, 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 Rice they're going to burn them on the ground. And so that's something that I'm really watching out for. And that's a serious prop that I've been looking at and actually placed already. So that bets in. And actually, it, I'm a little frustrated, Ray, because normally you see these props go Pretty up. Good, huh? This one went down a yard yesterday. Uh, okay. It was at 66 and a half, and it was starting to get juiced. I don't know what happened. Maybe the books want more bets on it or something right. for the over, but it's at 65 and a half, and I think they're going over. And Ray – now, if you'll indulge me a little bit for a minute, another okay. bet that I would make, I'd be fine making. And these fun props, the heads, tails, the items of clothing of the performer or whoever's doing the national anthem, Reba McIntyre. Mm -hmm. Also, you got to be careful with a lot of these fun props. You, the Gatorade color, you just got to be careful. However, Ray, no. because, because I you know, used to be your producer and I have a yeah. lot of producing experience. Now, thinking from a show flow, gotcha. what would fit best when you have usher as your halftime act ray if usher does not lead with the song yeah which by the way you want side performers you bring in lil john immediately if yeah. you don't start, yes yeah <laughs> what um, if you don't start the super bowl with yeah you're doing it wrong a lot of people think and i've seen maroon five do this they start with the their first hit like they started with their i forgot what their first hit you know oh it's getting harder to breathe, harder to breathe. They started with that one. They didn't start with their main poppy song. For Usher, if you start with My Way, it doesn't make sense. You want to start by with a punch in the face right there. You want to get the audience going so they're not going to the bathroom. You want to get them ready to go in their pants and they stay in their seats. You start with Yeah, and you bring in Lil John. And I'm seeing that on FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 650. A lot of people think My Way. It's going to be because that was his first big song. Mm -hmm. No, you got to start with Yeah. Ray, you remember that back in 2004 when Yeah was the most popular song out there. And it brings in Lil Jon immediately. So that's, you know, that's part of the production angle I have in mind. Well, I think there's a difference too. Like when you talk about heads or tails, the odds are 50-50. Right. Like it's, there's no, and you, what's Usher? You said 650? Plus like, 650 for Yeah being the first. Yeah. Song. So, I mean, that's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to do one of these, Bets that's kind of uh, we don't really know, right? Plus six fifty or a hundred, like you know, it's like why why not at least roll the dice on something that could bring a return? I was never an Usher guy. I don't really remember two thousand. It shows it showed our like, age, Ray. You were oh, like okay. Usher to me was like Tears for Fears to you back in your day. So <laughs> something like that. Okay, I don't know. Okay, but I'll right. say that one of the props that I had been good at predicting the over on the songs played, but. A lot of these acts now have multiple artists, and that Ray that takes time. The Super Bowl halftime show can only go on for so long. It's actually a pretty short performance. Right. The transition sometimes from artist to artist when the artist another artist is being featured, the transition takes time, and also the artist then will over over dramatize essentially their big song if they're being featured, and that also tax on the time as well. Right. So that's why with the song total being eight and a half, you just stay away from that. 
because you don't know how many musical acts they're going to be. If it was just one artist with maybe one special feature, you'd bet it. But with multiple artists, the time factor, you stay away from those prop bets. I'm guessing you stay away from all these silly prop bets. I personally do. Uh, that's not my jam, as you can, folks can see there on the screen. For $19.99, you get access to our, our all-in NFL package, which includes the Super Bowl betting guide. So where we review that, Justin and the crew obviously be heavily involved in all that. It also gets you the off-season coverage uh, so that you can basically get franchise mode. So you franchise can look at franchise mode. Uh, so you can kind of get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, and that package, by the way, includes access to all the DFS seasonal embedding. So it's a great deal for the rest of the week and it also includes postseason stuff. So it's not just for the next week. So that's $19.99 if people want to get involved there. But yeah, no, I'm not, I am not a prop guy when it comes to, you know, what color shoes someone is wearing. Yeah. Or, you know, that, no. that, that kind of thing's just not my jam, Justin. Right. By the way, Ray, I gave my opinion regarding tight end props here with Travis Kelsey as even with the juice I'm fine with the over six and a half it's gonna move to it has to move to seven and a half before we hit the actual game I think it's going to what about you for tight end props anything that you're feeling not really I mean I can throw it up on the screen real quick again uh I the Kelsey I I, I go I I would go the over but I'm not gonna take it I don't like the odds Right. I think the same thing with Kittle. I think he catches four balls. I think, I, but I don't like the odds there. So I'd be, I'd be out on that. I'd be more inclined to do the yardage on Kelsey at the minus one thirty. Uh, I'd take that one. Kittle at forty-seven and a half. I'd probably take that. I'd favor the Kelsey one over the Kittle one if I was going to go there. And then the anytime touchdown. I mean, I'd go. I, I'd, I'd go Kelsey. I mean, he's he's setting records with Jerry Rice in terms of postseason scoring. And, and minus one ten's not bad. Not right bad now. at all. Yeah, and there are so many weapons with the Niners. Kelsey, I mean, excuse me, Kittle generally is not Mister Goal Line. He's not catching passes from the four yard line. He's taking things from you know outside or whatever. So he's not as much of an option right down in the green zone, if you will, as Kelsey is. So I'd probably go with the Kelsey one there over Kittle if I was talking touchdowns. Little tight end Super Bowl talk continues. I know Ray's sick of the analysis here, but Ray, just a couple more days and you're done, my man. And then guess what? It's basketball, it's hockey, and it's baseball that becomes the central focus. And that's where we move on to talking about a little bit of baseball before we hit hoops. And on Fantasy Sports Daily, when you're a part of FantasyGuru.com and you go to the baseball section, you are fed for days. It's like my mother cooking for me because there's always food on the table, just like there are always new articles being sent out into the universe from Ray Flowers. And Ray, let's talk about the averages you need to know from a historical standpoint. And gloves off, full disclosure. And I've talked about this with Ray before. Analytics in sports. I understand basketball analytics. I understand them, but there's not nearly as many, in my opinion, to be as concerned with and to have to focus on as there are in baseball. And Ray, when it comes to the analytics and knowing the history, before we start diving into, into which ones we as fantasy players should prioritize over these zillion analytics for hitters and pitchers, why is this important? Why is it important for you to put out not one, but two articles separate and charts separating hitting and pitching to know the history of these averages going into our drafts? I would say at the start, there is also a sabermetric primer article, uh, which is available at the site. Uh, and it talks about like kind of a paragraph of everything, right? Like this is what this is. This is what this is. This is what this is. I'll, I'll start by saying that 
a lot of this stuff, including what you see on the screen, some of it's extremely important, some of it's kind of important, some of it's just kind of nice to know stuff. You can play fantasy baseball the way you've always played it and never look at any of the advanced stuff and have a good time. And if that's your thing, do it. Like, I think that, you know, for me, I want to get in nuts and bolts and charts and graphs. Like, that's me, right? I think it gives you an advantage to do that. But I don't think you have to do that. What I think can can often happen, Justin, is people start getting involved in in the deeper look at the stats and everything with baseball in particular. And they, they get to a point where they don't become obsessed, but they become hyper-focused on the one thing that they're looking at. And we... You know, we try to do things like Weighted Runs Created Plus or WOBA or WAR. We try to create like a one number that does everything kind of thing. Okay, but the one number that does everything, what is the application of that to the fantasy game? Knowing someone's got a great WAR, terrific, what does that do for me in the fantasy game? If I'm playing a 5 by 5 fantasy game, a guy's WAR has nothing to do with what I need to know. It's not, I don't care about his base running necessarily. I certainly don't care about his defense. I don't, I don't care, right? So I think that having a knowledge base that sprinkles in these things is good. Being hyper-focused on them can lead you down the wrong path. And when you're new and you're starting to kick the tires for the first time, take a holistic approach, right? Because what I see is people say, like, batting average of balls in play is a perfect example. That was something that, you know, 15 years ago, no one talked about. 10 years ago, people started talking about it. I feel like seven or eight years ago, it became the thing. And that's all anyone talked about. As if batting average of balls in play was the only thing that mattered. Well, if it's high, it's going to go down. If it's low, it's going to go up. And it's like, well, yeah, in general. But what if the guy isn't hitting the ball as hard? What if the guy's right. not pulling the baseball like he used to? What if there's an injury that he's dealing So I think that's one of the big issues, Justin, is people really, they want to dive in and, and get more information, which we try to provide at fantasyguru.com. But it doesn't mean everyone has to read every article and, and flip through every tab on an Excel sheet and that kind of thing. I don't want people to get bogged down with that to the point where they're confused and not enjoying the experience of playing the game. So then let me ask you this here, because, I mean, I used to, as someone who's been in content creation for over a decade, including baseball as well, and I used to do a lot of stock watch videos regarding trending players and to learn about the trends and especially get ahead of the game. That's where you check this big, long list of analytics. And Ray, for me, and I even came to you a few years ago when I was doing this, very overwhelmed because I, I wanted to just give more than, well, like he scored an RBI in six of his last eight games. I wanted to give the audience a little bit more than that so they would learn. Right. And I said, Ray, I remember this conversation. We've had multiple. Ray, a lot of the things I'm looking at, I'm looking at on-base percentage. I'm looking at BABIP as well for the luck factor. But also, I'm looking at exit velocity, hard hit percentage too, and ground ball to fly ball rate and everything. And, you know, who hits the percentage of ground balls versus percentage of fly balls. I was looking at all these different things. And what it came down to for me, Ray, was, you know, understanding BABIP and with all of those that I just rattled off, is there an analytic that maybe we shouldn't have to focus on if we're not trying to completely learn about every little bit of the game? Like, for instance, I mean, hard hit rate, is that very important or should we put that off to the side? And it's dependent on what pitchers the hitter has faced over the last month to show improvement. I mean, what can we maybe put off to the side and what can beginner fantasy players really look to focus on in these analytics? Well, it's, it's great. Perfect question. And if you, you know, we're looking at averages, you know, to know here in, in that 
there's a baseball, I'm there's a pitching one and a hitting one. In the hitting one, I've got yeah. a chart there that talks about batted ball type since you mentioned it. The OPS on ground balls is 514 last year for the league. 514 is terrible. That's like a pitcher, right? For for fly balls, it's 884. Now we're in the zone of making an all-star team. For line drives, it's 1,500. Now you're the greatest player who's ever lived. So understanding that, you know, yeah, you know, we can we can work with fly balls, we can work with line drives, ground balls aren't great. Okay, that's the general position. But is it Rowdy Telez hitting the ground ball or is it Esther Ruiz hitting the ground ball? Like we want Rowdy Telez to get the ball in the air. If his ground ball rate goes up, that's not good. Right. Esther Ruiz, we don't ever want him to hit the ball in the air, hit everything on the ground. So I think that the the the, the filtering out process has to include multiple things. One, it has to include who the player is because, you know, power, speed, you know, that kind of thing. Pitching too, breaking ball pitcher, ground ball pitcher, strikeout guy. You have to factor in who the player is. Then you have to start looking at the measurements through that lens. Then you have to understand that the measurements you're looking at, um, they need time. And people don't want to hear this. Like batting average of balls in play. Studies have shown you need at least 750 or 800 plate appearances for that number to normalize. No one gets 800 plate appearances in a season. Right. I was like, is this over like a three-year span? Yeah. yeah. Like that? So, so that's the thing. You'll no see a guy three... get injured. Nobody's like, yeah, come on, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's part of the problem. Like people want to make these decisions in two weeks, and that's something that the folks will see once the season gets going. I'm gonna sit here and say for the first month, no, 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 because we need sample size. So I think sample size is very important. I think that if we're talking about, again, what you need to know, we have to tailor what we're discussing to the fantasy space. You asked about StatCast data. So let's talk about that directly. That's a perfect one. That's newer for those people that don't really know. We Since about 2015, we've had the ability to start tracking um, the angle the ball comes off the bat, the velocity the ball comes off the bat, uh, and we start to build models that way because there, there, we talked about Luis Arias on the show yesterday. He's a guy who the StatCast data says is terrible. Terrible. Why is he not terrible? Because he never strikes out, because he doesn't expand the strike zone, because he doesn't ever pop a ball up on the infield, and because he sprays the ball all over the field. He can hit any pitch in any part of the zone all over the field. So his StatCast numbers say he doesn't do anything, but he's actually doing a ton. Then you look at Giancarlo Stanton, who the StatCast numbers say is fantastic, and what does Giancarlo Stanton do? Pull a hamstring every time he runs the first base. So it doesn't matter. I mean, so, you know, I think that if you had to boil it down, you would say barrel rate is probably the one of the, the stack has data to look at most directly because that combines your ability to hit the ball with velocity and the frequency that you do that. So probably barrel rate. And, you know, there's articles at the website, too, that, that talk about this, you know, with pitching and hitting barrel rate. And strikeout rate, like how many times do you make contact, and, and how often are you really hitting it on on the nuts? That sounds like a that sounds like a pretty good thing to do, right? So that that to me, I think is probably the best place if we're talking the stat cast data. Is look at the barrel rate, but there is more to it than that because you could barrel a ball, you know, once every three games, and if you strike out thirty five percent of the time, it doesn't really matter because you're just not putting the ball in play enough. I mean, Ray, this is excellent info to know. And again, this is why you have all these specified articles that just continue to come out on fantasyguru.com. So make sure you get in to win. Ray with baseball, that's why he is the Oracle, labeled the Oracle. I believe that was back in 2010 or 2011, one of those two years here. I'm like the Ray Flowers historian for those that didn't know. Ray, let's switch it up to pitching for a few minutes because I just want to ask you 
the difference between a couple of these analytics here. Okay, sure. I noticed that on your charts you have I'm going to sound like such a rookie. K slash BB, so strikeouts slash walks, and then you've got strikeouts dash walk percentage. Right. What the hell are the differences between the two? And that, I mean, that's a fantastic question that I don't. God, I've written so many articles. I'm writing yeah, behind this. You team. don't know. No, no, I know the I know the answer to the question. I'm trying to see if I posted the article on that yet. Um, to you, try to you did because it was in your separate yeah. pictures. Okay, thing. okay. Uh, but I, I actually wrote an article about it too, not just the charts. Um, we all, and this is again, okay. So back in the day, we wanted to know if a guy had 200 strikeouts or 170 strikeouts, right? That's where's the 225 strikeouts, and that's how we drafted guys 25 years ago. What we were doing without realizing what we were doing, though, is we were looking just at the volume and not looking at the context of how the how the actual performance has occurred. And what I mean by that is if you throw 200 innings, you're going to get 190 strikeouts. Fran Valdez, is he a big strikeout guy? Not really, but he's throwing 200 innings every year, so his strikeout number is high. K per nine is the next step. K per nine or K minus you know, strikeout minus walk ratio tells you how many strikeouts minus how many walk. Or it tells you how many strikeouts per nine innings. And it's very easy for you or I or anyone who's even someone new to the game, a 10-year-old kid who doesn't understand fancy math, can say he had eight strikeouts in eight innings. All right, that's one inning. One inning over nine innings, he's got a nine strikeout per nine, right? It's very, it's very simple, very easy to understand. The problem with that is we need to take into account the context of when the strikeouts happen. If I face three batters, I get two grounders and a strikeout. That's fantastic, right? But my K, K per nine is one. What happens if I face eight batters and I strike out one guy? I still have the, this K per nine of one, right. but now I have one strikeout in eight batters faced, whereas in the K per nine, it's one strikeout for three batters faced. So the ratio, the percentage, the strikeout rate, K, you know, uh, the percentage minus walk percentage, that takes into account plate appearances. Because I'd love to know that the guy has one strikeout an inning, and it's one strikeout an inning in both scenarios, but in one scenario, it was against three batters, and one scenario was against eight batters. So actually, the guy that's more dominant is the guy that did it one and three, then in one and eight. K per nine only shows you the, the, the volume overall. K rate shows you the, the context, which tells you, well, this guy did it in one and three or one in eight. So then why look at K per nine then if K rate then gives you a more accurate like leading to how the player is actually performing? Yeah. So you, you say you don't understand that. You've got to totally – Lockdown. Well, it's, it's just like I'm looking at it's like it's again, and I see this, and I'm just like, is this the same thing? Did Ray accidentally put this twice? But you you're great, you're so detailed with this stuff that it's just I had no idea. Like I knew K per nine, mm -hmm. but I didn't know there was this extra analytic. There are just so many, Ray. And that's why I was telling you before, as someone who considers himself a medium fantasy baseball mm -hmm. player, meaning I play in leagues every year, I play DFS, I place bets as well. I'm into the league. But when it comes to all these analytics, it's just very hard to track. Part of the reason is because it's like they don't correlate, but they do correlate. It's crazy, man. Well, it's tough, but you, you asked the perfect question. So you're, you're understanding the concept completely, uh, and it's the perfect question. I think that – because think of it this way. We did batting average for years in fantasy. Most leagues still use batting well, average. Oh, of course they do. Of course yeah. they do. Yeah, and I've told the story, and this is true. I can You can talk to my friends, not that anyone would. We went to on-base percentage in the 90s. Because oh, we I realized didn't, I didn't that, know that, yeah, we did. My friends in our <laughs> home league went to on base trends in the 1990s. 1998 was the year we did it. Because we realized getting on base was more important than batting. We recognized that 25 years ago. 
And as we have gone on, leagues like Tout Wars have started to say on-base percentage is more valuable. Batting average has its place, sure. But on-base percentage is more accurate in describing what's occurring, right? Success or failure of a player. We went from total strikeouts, which everyone could look up in the sports page on a Sunday morning, to strikeout per nine, which is the next level. Because, we again, we understand nine innings. We understand the strikeout and inning. We get that. It's very easy. All the big websites carry it. You know, you go to the, the big big box stores. They have that kind of stuff. The next level is is what we're talking about with K rate or walk rate. And I think that the reason people don't do it is because they they strikeouts was what it was. Moving to K per nine was hard. Right? Now right. moving from K per nine to strikeout rate, it's hard again. So I think it's just people are slow to adjust. And luckily that the people watching us, listening to us, reading our work at fantasyguru.com, hopefully I can at least guide them in the right direction to find the tools that give them an edge. Because again, as we're talking about this and strikeouts in particular, we get a little bit of an edge. It doesn't sound like we get a little bit of an edge, but if we get an edge here and we get an edge here and we get an edge here, at the end of the day, that 1% edge is now 12% edge that we have over our competition allows us to win. Yeah, absolutely. And Ray, by the way, in my home league that I'm in, not only do we play with quality starts, but also the Ray Flowers solds was sold yes. in this league as well. So yes. it stays like, and that's, and it, and it actually makes it more fun yeah. to draft relievers now. You don't yeah. think, oh, now it's the 18th round and I'm done. There's no closers left or anything like that. Right. It, it makes it a lot more fun to start to think about, wow, the, I, I like using this example, the Johnny Venters of yeah. the world. For back, yeah. That guy was like a holds master. And he was important to his team. He, he was, was very important to his team. He yeah. was. He was He was absolutely great. So, again, go to fantasyguru.com. Ray's got these charts. They're very easily laid out. They've got a zillion tabs as well. So any, pretty much every analytic from last year is accounted for in two separate articles from the hitters and the pitchers. Ray, spin the wheel and make a deal. Should we talk about surprising second baseman or should we move on to hoops? Your choice. Let's mention two guys since I spent the time to create a graphic. <laughs> Let's mention the two guys, and then we'll go to hoops. How's that? Does that sound good? Yeah. <laughs> Only because you made the graphic. Only though, because right? it's so pretty. I mean, look, I spent so much time creating that. Justin. Come on. Give me, give me two minutes. A minute and a guy. How about that? Right, right. It's your show. Take all the time you want. I'm just the, the, the side guy here. You're the main attraction. Uh, yeah, well, no, we just because today, this week is second base week. We'll get sure. back to it uh, tomorrow with Kyle when he returns. Uh, and thank you, by the way, Justin, for stepping of up. Of course, man. It's that. a lot of fun hanging with you. Yeah, thank you. Might um, not be the last time we hang together, by the way. Uh, oh, we might have, uh, speaking of that, an announcement next week when you come to visit with us for basketball. Ooh, is that allowed? I mean, Jeff Manns doesn't really like guests. Mm, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll figure something out. We might have an announcement next week. Might have an, might announcement. an announcement this week. This is this not week. an announcement that we have an announcement. This is an announcement that we might have an announcement ready. Right. I don't know. But, and by the way, when I, for anyone that knows me, I don't know about Justin. I don't make announcements. So if it's, it's something good, right? It's something good. Right. Um, the, the, there's breakout second baseman. We got a couple guys listed here on the board. And I think one of the biggest values, and Justin and I were joking about this before the show, is there are certain websites that, you know, people qualify at every position. You wake up and you qualify catcher. You go to bed, you qualify <laughs> in right field, right? Uh, these two guys in particular, Hassan Kim and Luis Rangifo, um, they qualify at multiple positions. Three positions for Kim, four positions for Rangifo. And that's huge, right? In the case of Kim, he's got speed. He almost stole 40 bases last year. In the case of Rangifo, there's a legitimate chance, looking at the way that the roster is constructed by the, the, the Angels right now, he could bat leadoff. 
And we've known for years, whoever hits leadoff in front of Mike Trout, like yippee ki right. The flexibility these guys bring, Justin, whether you're playing Roto or head-to-head or whether you're in this format or that format, having the ability to move these guys around at multiple positions just opens up so many possibilities for your team. And I think they were both big-time surprises last year. I think that in the case of Kim, it's very – it's unlikely that he takes a step. It probably takes a little bit of a slide back, I would think. Still completely useful. And in the case of Rangifo, if he just does what he did last year, you know, he and he might be in an article today, wink, wink, players to target. Um, I think he's going to be a pretty good option for people because he's not very expensive at all if you look at the ADP. Yep, looking at the ADP right now, and this is over the last month of action when it comes to the NFBC. And again, Ray, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but from what we've seen, I feel like in these NFBC drafts, pitching is prioritized a little bit more than hitting. I mean, we, we've done these draft shows together for the NFBC, and I feel like it's that's really where the focus is in the first few rounds. So maybe hitters are moved down just a little bit than in your standard drafts at home. But looking at over the last 30 days and seeing where these guys are being drafted, and the sample size, by the way, is nearly at 140 here, so it's legitimate. You have Kim going at around the 83 mark, mm-hmm. and you have Renifo going at 230. That's a value right there, Luis Renifo. Yeah, I guess, especially if he bats leadoff. I'm telling you, you know, that's a great spot, and who knows how it works out, but a four-category guy that could hit 20 a home four runs. four-position guy as well four, here. Four, four, yeah, there you go. Four, <laughs> good, thank you. Yeah, that's very true. You know, the only thing, you know, he's not a batting average booster. He's not a steals guy. Probably should have a three-category guy, but he's a potential three-category guy with Justin's point, four positions at that price point. I think that's someone, especially if you're in a deeper league, especially if you're in someone in a league that has you know 14 starting spots instead of nine or 10, like some leagues do. I think he's a very good target, Justin. Interesting. So they're right now at 230, Renifo. It's actually put that in your notes. Get ready for your fantasy football drafts and make sure you go to fantasy, fantasy football. Wow, fantasy baseball drafts. You see, this is what happens when we cross wires here at this right. rare point of the year. Right. But again, you're seeing the graphic right there. I mean, seasonal coverage at $40, and it's already worth it even before the season because, again, looking at Ray's stuff over the last few weeks, it's just been article after article. And I like, Ray, that a lot of your articles, they're simplified, even for the for people like me. You need everything simplified in life. So I think you make us understand it very much in just talking with you. Again, the K per nine rate that we were talking about before versus the percentage. I had no idea what the difference was going in. And that's why you learn something every day. And Ray, hopefully I can teach you a little something about what's going on in the hoops world. These yeah. Days. And if any of the users, by the way, again, promo code FSD20 gets a 20% discount on all the products. You can get the baseball product. It's full season. You can ask questions in discord. So if any stuff I've said hasn't made sense, you want some more, uh, hit me up in discord. I'll be happy to answer your question. Uh, let's, let's do transition over to basketball. Normally I have Justin over as uh, the basketball host on, on, you know, in the week and, this week, since he's here, let's just make it a you know two for one and have him, you know, we'll switch chairs, if you will, and have Justin kind of give us his analysis here. And you can see there, uh, the all, NBA All-In Package includes all those other sports. It includes NHL, college basketball, PGA, MMA, soccer. So go to the website, use that promo code FSD20. It works there too. Um, Justin, let's talk about hoops. And Joel Embiid, you know, terrific player, having a strong season. He's going to have a procedure on his knee. He's going to miss some time. What are we thinking there? Have they, have they announced how much time he's going to miss? And, and what does the, do the Sixers do? Because that's a massive loss in their lineup. Yeah, and they haven't. And that's a problem to me because they haven't. And it's one of those things where 
you know, they rely. This is what the Sixers have done. And any team in the future that invests in Joel Embiid will have this problem too. The offense centers around Joel Embiid so much, Ray, that without Embiid, and we're already starting to see the Sixers slide a little bit, they're not going to be able to keep up with the Boston Celtics. Not like I really thought they would anyway. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to, they're going to have trouble keeping up with those teams, especially those teams that have size. And that's a big problem. And it's no disrespect to Paul Reed. He's been doing all right on offense since taking over, but Paul Reed isn't the impact player Joel Embiid was. Ray, Joel Embiid, he plays the entire first quarter and the entire third quarter. That's how much the Sixers need Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid has cashed us props at ridiculously high lines with only three quarters of basketball playing where he's playing half the second and all of the first and the third. That's how he's always played. It's a major impact loss. His MVP chances were out the door to begin with before this injury because he was only ready now to qualify for these awards, which I'm fine with. You have to play a certain number of games. So Joel Embiid's not going to qualify for the MVP anymore. And that's sad because he has been the best player in basketball this year. But the Sixers, to me, now led by Tyrese Maxey, it's going to be a lot of him. It's going to be a lot of Tobias Harris. And it's going to be a lot of Kelly Oubre Jr., who, Ray, if you remember, got hit by a car back in December. And then a month later, or end of November, a month later, was playing. That's going to be a problem. And that's large shoes to fill. So for now, we're going to take advantage in DFS. We don't know when he's going to be back. Should be back before the playoffs. But That is unconfirmed. But soon enough, Ray, a lot of these price points are going to go up so high that it's going to be very hard to be able to trust Philadelphia for DFS. Right now we can in the next few weeks while these players start to produce more. Prices get hiked up. Not going to happen. So Embiid's knocked out of the mix, Justin, as you noted, for the MVP voting. Who who are we pivoting to? I mean, is there is there is there someone that you're looking at in the futures and you're thinking, that's a bet I'd like to place? We're talking MVP. What do you think? Because, again – it's kind of a popularity contest at some point. So okay, two-part question. One, who do you think is someone to consider? And two, would you place that bet? Because it's not always, you know, it, it's tough how to define it, right? Sometimes it's the best player on the best team. Sometimes it's the guy with the best stats. You know what I'm saying? Right, of course. So for me, if you're going to look to place a bet, and I'm looking based on the odds on DraftKings here, I mean, Nikola Jokic to me is the standout at minus 155. The league does not want to give the MVP to Jokic for some reason. They're trying to turn him into this heel bad guy who doesn't work as hard because he likes to party a little bit. I mean, who doesn't like to party a little bit? I mean, we all do. So don't vilify him because of that. But Shea Gilgis Alexander at plus 230, solid odds for him. Right now, the Thunder are tied for first place in the Western Conference. Talk with Jeff Vance on his One Man's Opinion Weekly podcast, which you can catch all over the place, Apple, Spotify, it's everywhere. But we talked about the Oklahoma City Thunder being that team that we're excited about to see move up in the standings. This is their anchor right here, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Guy could do a little bit of everything. Not really the best defender, though, but he provides so much production, kind of like Tyrese Halliburton does for the Pacers, except SGA is a better version of Halliburton, in my opinion. Plus 230, and I think the Thunder are going to stay towards the top, if not at the top of the standings. They'll be in that mix in that top three, definitely top four, and that should keep him in contention to win. So SGA at plus 230, I'm liking those odds right there. We've talked previously about Webinyama, Victor Webinyama, the youngster who I think weighs less than I do, despite being seven foot nine. <laughs> uh, Greek freak, we're hearing this comp, comp, you know, is this, does this make any sense? Is it in, should we be making any comps to a guy that's so young and obviously still developing and 
Talk to us about Webanyama. And last time we discussed, he wasn't, he was playing 20 minutes a game. Has that changed us? That has changed. Now he's going to be, he's up to 30 now, which is great. And he has been playing back to backs a little bit too, but they're definitely babying him along because they don't want him to get hurt. Part of that is because of his frame. He needs to put on more muscle. And the only comparison to Giannis that you could fairly make is body shape. Because when Giannis came in, he looked like Wembenyama. He was very skinny. And then he put on pounds and pounds of mass. And then he became a lot more dominant of a player, a lot more dominant of a driver. For Wembenyama, Wembenyama is a solid shooter. So he'll give up the drive to take a shot from the elbow at times. But here's the thing with him. He's not a good defender. He's just not. And whenever we focus on anything regarding who the Spurs are playing, it's always, what's Wemby going to do? What's Wemby going to do? But what I focus on, Ray, when it comes to bets for the elite mafia, is how we're going to attack Wemby. Do we have a center that's going to face him like a Rudy Gobert, like a Jakob Pertle, which your point prop will only be sitting at 12 and a half, 13 and a half. And I'm going to go over every single time, unless I'm not seeing shot volume in a recent set of games, then I'll stay away. Now, the bigger centers, obviously, their points are going to be skyrocketed. And I've been trying to stay in the teens for point props lately for the most part. And Ray, I've been attacking this guy again and again and again with bad defensive centers that could lose their playing time, with good defensive centers who don't get a ton of volume. He gives up a lot of points. And, Ray, that's because you know what he does? It He doesn't use his butt. He doesn't use his rear end. Does he, he have a butt? He, he stands there straight up. But the problem is you can sneak right under the basket, and then you can box him out. That's what these centers are doing. It's so simple. I don't know why Greg Popovich hasn't seen it. Okay, so we're going to keep attacking the Spurs, and we're going to keep attacking Victor Wembanyama. The pace is going to always be fast when you're facing the Spurs. Wemba, they don't defend at all. Wembanyama, he can block as many shots as he wants, does not make him a good on-the-ball defender. And opposing centers with bigger mass are able to box him out and take advantage of him in the low block. You mentioned earlier in the show, Justin, that there's some ins and outs of baseball you're still you know, trying to grasp. I will fully admit I'm still trying to grasp ins and outs of basketball, not the game itself, but just kind of where it's at and how it operates. Uh, the trade deadline is passed, right? No, so, it's coming up. It's coming up in two days. It's coming up. In th- oh, so it's coming up Thursday. Okay. Yes. Okay. So maybe I did understand. What are <laughs> we? Uh, I thought I, I thought it was. I, is there? By the way, this is what I was going to say. Is there a process like in baseball? There used to be a process where you could go through the waiver wires and everything. If the trade deadline passes, can you still change teams or is that a hard end of it? You can, but you have to be released. And then when you're released, you Mm -hmm. go through like a couple of days where you're on waivers, kind of like in a fantasy league. But here's the deal. The the object of the game, if you're the team, is to not – so the player doesn't get claimed. Because if the player gets claimed, you're paying his contract that he would have been owed. Player goes unclaimed then you could sign him for a veteran's minimum deal if you need him for a month or two or three in the playoffs, and that's it, or a 10-day contract, and you could sign him to a couple of 10-day contracts before having to make the decision whether you sign the player for the season. So the answer is yes, but not via trade. Okay. So the trade deadline is coming up Thursday. Yes. Who are the big names? Are there a few names? Is there something you're expecting to happen? Is there something you're not expecting to happen? Talk us through the the actual trade deadline a little bit. Well, the Lakers are starting to play a little bit better. I'm starting to wonder if they're going to try to make a move. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell, I feel so bad for this guy. He's getting booed out by everybody there at Crypto.com Arena. They want him out, and I don't blame him. Instant offense, no defense. I think he could be on the move. I think Zach Levine, I've been talking with you and Kyle. Mm -hmm. He's like, to me, one actually, no. He was the number one seed. He got hurt, and he's now going to miss months. So 
no one's going to trade for him now. He's just not going to play. Probably done for the year at this point. Bruce Brown, who was in the trade for Pascal Siakam, who's right now just hanging in Toronto, big-time key contributor to the Denver Nuggets championship team last year. To see this guy traded just like that was a little bit shocking to me. But he's someone that if I'm a contending team, I'm looking dead in the eye, want this guy for his ability to play two ways. So also with the Sixers, wonder because the Bulls have been involved in a lot of trade rumors. I wonder if the Sixers try to go after someone like an Andre Drummond to help out Paul Reed while Joel Embiid's out. Because if there's anything Philadelphia could do, they can try to put themselves in positions to at least have a home series, and that would mean being the fourth seed. So that's still in sight, but at the end of the day, Ray, they need a big man to help plug up that lane because Paul Reed's not going to be able to do it himself. The Rockets in Memphis, uh, Grizzlies made a trade, and we had a couple of second-round picks and Victor Oladipo going for Steve Adams. Adams is hurt. Uh, kind of talk us through the process there, because on the surface, it looks like kind of what's going on. Sure. So Adams is owed this year and next year. The following year, he's an unrestricted free agent. So next year, he becomes a valuable asset as an expiring contract. He's due about $12.5 million, and that's both years over the next couple of years. So still $25 mil on this contract. But I'll say this. When it comes to Steven Adams, he's not going to play any basketball. He had surgery back in, I believe it was late October on his knee. He's not going to play this year. But next year, Alperin Shengun, I love him. He's Next year, I feel like we're going to see him grow even more on the defensive end. Because now, if you're Houston and you've got Shengun and you've got Adams, who you'll need to play, what, 18 minutes off the bench? That's scary. This Rockets team is solid defensively, but it's just not working out for some reason offensively, and they're not showing in the standings as much as they were earlier in the year. They've fallen. With Steven Adams there, good tutelage for the young Alper and Shengun to become a better defender, and also having that one-two punch right there and Adams coming off the bench, that's going to make their front court scary. It's already scary. Jabari Smith, a good defender, bolsters them, but that's a move for next year which I like because Shengu needs to learn a little bit more about the defensive side. Let's transition to tonight in the DFS space, Justin. You obviously cover it uh, for us at fantasyguru.com. You're in Discord. All that stuff is great. I know because I do the cash game breakdown for Major League Baseball. When FanDuel and DraftKings have a day, and this happens frequently, where they don't have the same games on the slate. And tonight we have an example that FanDuel's got seven games on the slate. DraftKings has got six. I hate I hate that as an analyst. I'm sure you don't like it very much as Can't an analyst either. Yeah. Uh, how do you handle it? Like what for for yourself? How do you handle it? And for the people listening, watching, reading, how do they handle these uneven slates? What's the best way to look at it? So what I do for everybody out there, and that's taking questionables into consideration as well. I'll make it a little bit heavier of a write up than I normally would, and that really stinks that I have to do that. But for all of those that just want to play on DraftKings. It's a different strategy, right? It's two completely different strategies. And when you're adding in players on one slate like Giannis and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, that makes a world of difference right there. It's annoying. If it's two crappy teams, then we don't really have to worry about it too much. I've got to worry about all this stuff. So because of that, Ray, what I do is normally in a seven-game or six-game slate, I'll put five players with write-ups per position, also a couple of values, but mm -hmm. five write-ups. I'll maybe make it like some of the positions a little bit heavier. Maybe you'll see a sixth player. That way, if you're playing just on DraftKings, you have more of a sample size to choose from from the article. And if you're playing on FanDuel for this one, 
you also get those players included as well. So it's annoying. It's two separate strategies. Sometimes the, the big analysis would be, oh, just go for the bigger slate. But people don't like playing on FanDuel. People like the differences that DraftKings provides, the flexibility they provide. So with that, I try to adhere to both slates, Ray, and I make it a little heavier, and I write in red the players and the teams listed that are only for one slate as opposed to two. It's annoying, and Ray, we've seen it where you have a two-game separation, yeah. and that makes it even worse, so at least it's one game. But it sucks that it's a game like Suns-Bucks where there's a, just a lot of fantasy potential. Yeah, I always hate that. You get all excited about a play, and then you check it, and you're like, oh, it's only on the one slate. Damn it. Right. I can it, still list it. But... And then people don't realize it, and they go, oh, you know, Fensty, a lot of our subscribers, they're getting it. But sometimes people go, Fensty, where's Giannis? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, bro, it's only the six games. And that's because, Ray, in DFS NBA, these sites are trying to isolate the late game. So, A, the East Coasters don't have to stay up until 1, 1.30 in the morning mm -hmm. to see how they did in their tournaments. And, B, the West Coasters, like yourselves – can still get in on the action in case they're working late, can't get in on the main slate. So, hey, there's at least a showdown or a late three-game turbo slate that you could get in on. Let's get in a little bit more depth before we end the show here, Justin, on the DFS slate tonight. We'll move beyond who's here, who's not there. Do you have a couple of plays you want to share with the listeners? I know the full write-up and all of that, but are there a couple of guys or, or situations you want to highlight for this yeah. matchup? Memphis Grizzlies might have to sign Ray Flowers to play for them because it's it's not even a joke. Everybody's hurt on their team. Jaron Jackson is doubtful tonight. Vince Williams is questionable. No jaw, no Marcus. I mean, they, they've got just about every, no Desmond Bain. Everybody's out, it seems like. So, unfortunately, our bad chalk but cheap value is going to be with the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. So, who we're going to be looking at, still waiting to see how everything else shakes out, but that's where our value lies. The Rockets-Pacers game has a total of 242.5, no Fred Van Vliet. So immediately we were just talking about Shengun. Miles Turner for Indiana is a bad defender to begin with. Now Shengun not only has his points and boards potential lifted, but the ceiling on his assist because he's a good passer is lifted as well with no Van Vliet. So no Van Vliet puts a bump into obviously Jalen Green, who we're going to prioritize. But Alper and Shengun becomes such a more attractive play now. And even a Jabari Smith should pick up more shots as well. So I'm looking at Houston in a nice pace up spot. Well by the way, one of our users here at the comment, uh where is it? D Money. Just said uh, thanks, Justin, for the PG uh, play yesterday. So yeah, we had a we had a two and a half assist prop, and it's funny because Jeff Manns put two and a half assists on Jonathan Kaminga of the Warriors or Warriors, mm -hmm. and both of us were kind of texting back and forth. We were like, "It's early, we got to be careful, no assists." And then look at that second half, both went over like that. You look at two and a half assists, Ray, and mm -hmm. you're like, "It's a trap." You're thinking you're Admiral Akbar, Paul <laughs> George. He had been passing off a lot more. And when you're in a high-octane environment, meaning the pace is going to be sped up, you're going to have more possessions. Pace translates to possessions. And for an assist prop that low, I was comfortable with it for PG. Look at that. Parlay the hey, There you go, D-Money sports cards. Yeah. You'll be able to buy more D-Money sports cards with that. You can be able to take Justin to dinner. Yes. Um, <laughs> You have the watch along Wednesday. We talk about that, you know. Uh, we yeah. we can't. It's Tuesday this week, though. So yeah, talk about that. Yes. So why it's Tuesday or just watch along Wednesday? Oh, but it's both. Give okay. It the whole thing. Well, all right. So I'll say this selfishly. My birthday is tomorrow, so <laughs> I'm a chalk play. And to be a chalk <laughs> play, I got to be able to maybe get away just a little bit here. You know, have some time with the wife. But 
So instead of watch along Wednesday, it's tune in Tuesday just for tonight. What I do is I sit in the DFS NBA Discord room. I also float to the betting Discord as well for NBA, but I sit mainly in the DFS NBA Discord room and I just watch games and I give my on-the-fly analysis, what I'm seeing on the court, what I'm trying to attack, what's not working with these teams, what went right and what went wrong from the DFS NBA write-up, Ray, because the only way to learn about these teams and players truly is by watching the game. So I'll be in there. We'll all be on tilt following our action together tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Tune in Tuesday. Join us in the DFS NBA Discord. Yeah, that's obviously Justin Fensterman. I'm Ray Flowers. Um Kind of wrapping things up here. Kyle will be back tomorrow. Uh, want everyone to thank Justin with me for being on the show today. Uh, Justin, thank you. Really Absolutely, man. That. Thanks for tolerating me. Oh, yeah. It was great, too. I think we did a good job. We hit three sports, too, which is good. Yes. Um, everyone, remember, you can see it on the screen there. And to reiterate, that promo code FSD20. FSD that gets you a 20% discount on all the products, whether it's the basketball that Justin does, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, NASCAR, all the, all the products. You can get, and I mentioned this too. If you want to buy a T-shirt that says the Oracle on it, Justin mentioned this earlier. You can get the Oracle Gnome and use the FSD twenty and get a twenty percent discount. Uh, so that's all available there. We've got the NFL package for nineteen ninety nine, includes DFS betting and seasonal. Get you the, the, the Super Bowl betting package as well. So check that out. It's forty dollars right now if you use the promo code FSD twenty on the baseball product. It's the early bird pricing, so get in now. Again, Justin's basketball product is part of a whole group of, of sports that we talked about earlier. Let me just throw it up here. Where is it? There betting, it is. betting and DFS, though, separate, though. That's something to note, too, because, you know, again, join the DFS. If you're placing bets and you have the betting package, jo upgrade. Join DFS. Why? Because you'll be able to find your own bets. Ask all the underdog and prize picks players out there that are part of our subs because – you can use the article I write up to find bets through that. So it correlates. So you should have it all. And that's why you need to go all in beyond the NBA all in package. Yeah. And if you have a question about you wanting to upgrade, right? Well, guys, I already have this. Is how you do it. Support at fantasyguru.com. Send an email, support at fantasyguru.com. Give me your username and say, Hey, look, I've got this package. I want to add that. Uh, Ted Schuster. You can also hit him up in discord. Ted is kind of the guy that handles that. And he'll be happy to kick you down a deal. Cause we want to keep you happy. We want to keep you with us. We want to help you get more involved. Uh, if you want to get more involved, that's kind of the whole point of all this. So, Justin, uh, it's been a great show here. Uh, any parting words of wisdom? Any anything you want to share? Do you have a? I you seem to have a little basketball today. You don't have your full basketball. Is that because you were hosting? Yeah, you know what, Ray? I you know I'll tell you why. Room. I'll I'll turn my camera around. I got this. You know, you know, I'm a local music radio DJ as well. I spin classic oldies. I was actually at a meeting there where in the town where my station is, Thurmont, Maryland. Where what station? WTHU 1450 AM. If you're in the state of Maryland and you're riding up there in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania as well, and also in Frederick County in Maryland, you'll be able to hear me from 3 to 6 p.m. I have a voice track, all classic oldies rock show. It's a lot of fun. And behind me, as you see, I actually, because I wanted to be more organized this year, one yeah. of my resolutions, I have a calendar up there. I and I it. thought it made yeah. it look a little bit messy and cluttered, but yeah, so... Oh. But next next week, when I'm if if invited back as a guest, I will make sure that I have that little mini basketball hoop that not only my kid plays on, but I play on too because basketball is awesome. I'll have it available for all of you to see. We used to have the Doctor J one that was I don't know three feet, four feet. It was cardboard with the hoop that was probably the size of almost a like a size five soccer ball um, or size four soccer ball, excuse me. And then we taped it onto a stool. Duct tape, duct tape, duct tape, duct. So then the thing became like six feet, and we used to <laughs> do.
dunk on that thing all the time. But the ball was, you know, like not a little. It was a, you know, we used to kill that thing. Cardboard flying everywhere. That thing had duct tape. That was Dude, a lot of fun. Indoor bedroom basketball where you take <laughs> yeah. like the little plastic hoop yep. and you try to like take your closet door and close yep. it on it. So it's yep. it's the most underrated room activity there is. Shoot. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Justin Fensterman, Ray Flowers. Justin, by the way, uh, social media, where can they find you? At Fensty Sports on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, and also Instagram, and just at Fensty on TikTok as well. But mainly hanging out on X and also on Instagram as well. Yeah, I'm on Instagram and X and Threads and I at the Ray Flowers. It's too many streaming services, too, too much social media, Ray. Too, what, too you know, can we all just have AOL again and call it a day? I still have an AOL email address, Justin. You probably know you that. You do. I still do. Oh, absolutely. That's you don't like have my name account, though. That's like my private account. Yeah, it's not my work account. Uh, so, Justin, thanks again for, for joining us. If you missed this, we talk about this all the time. But if you missed it, understand that you know we always house everything here on YouTube, youtube.com slash network. Uh, it's always on the website as well. Go to the fantasyguru.com, click the Elite Plus tab, and you can find all the shows there. Uh, we're also on podcasts. We're on Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So you can also listen to the show, if you, you know, late or whatever. So don't know, I've heard, I've heard some people say this and say, oh, I missed the show today. You can always find the show, and you can even watch it or listen to it. We try to be a one-stop shop, if you will, with the product. Absolutely. And when you, by the way, you go to fantasyguru.com. I'll plug this podcast too. And it might even be Ray. It might be on the Elite Plus Network one day too. Still applying for application there. So for certification. But Fenstie's Basketball Diaries, it's a weekly basketball podcast. I read literally my game notes that I write down. I focus on a different team each week, talk some strategy, talk some news in there as well. Mainly it's me ranting about the team and talking about what I've seen on the court through the naked eye about these players so you all can learn exactly how to watch these players and what to look for in the skill set. He's Justin Fensterman. I'm Ray Flowers. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Sports Daily Day. We appreciate it. Kyle Elfrink will be back tomorrow. And as Justin noted, he'll be back next week as a guest. And I think we might have an announcement. So stay tuned for Justin's visit next week. Thanks for being with us, Justin. And we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Thanks, man. You got it. Justin Fensterman, Ray Flowers. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.